Thank you for joining our broadcast at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please take a minute to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us bring God's word to other people. You can go to citylifechurch.cc to find the giving option that works best for you. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy today's message. In Psalm 100, this is what the Bible declares. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. I love that. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. 21 days left in November. What if you made your mind up and determined for the next 21 days, every day, you are going to find something to be thankful for? You're going to get up tomorrow and find something in your world and in your life that you are thankful for. It's really that, not that hard. So many times we dwell on the negative or what we do not have or the things that we're battling or fighting. But what if for the next 21 days you found something every day to be thankful for? The word thanksgiving means to express gratitude, especially to God. I love the second definition given. Public acknowledgement of divine goodness. Public acknowledgement of divine goodness. The psalmist in Psalm 34 verse 1 said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Grabbed a book this weekend that I was given some time back by Dr. Mark Rutland called David the Great. And I can identify with David, one of my favorite um, individuals out of the Bible to preach from because his life is so much like mine. Moments of victory in one season then seem to find isolation in others. David was so good at times in public arenas and then yet would have personal battles that he had to live through. He was secure in some places but yet insecure in others. And David was a great leader and a great example of humanity. And the Bible tells us that this psalmist, this writer, this warrior, this worshiper, this king, this shepherd, he would write over and over about your declaration, my declaration, and his declaration. And he said, I will bless the Lord. You know, the will is a powerful thing. You make choices every day and will to do stuff. You got up this morning, got dressed, brushed your teeth, I hope. (laughs) Got in a car, came to church, and you willed to do that. You could have stayed at home. The bucks are playing in a few minutes. You could have just been there getting ready for the game, but you made your mind up to come to church. You have a will. You make choices every day. But God has a will. And there is something that happens when his will and your will collide. That's why Jesus said in the book of John, if any man wills to do his will, you would find great revelation from the Father that sent me. When you make up your mind to live out the will of God and be the plan and be the will of God, 
in your journey. David said, I will bless the Lord. I have made up my mind. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David knew what great victory was, but yet defeat. He knew what it was to be what it was to be lifted by people, but then yet have mighty men pick up stones to stone him. David knew what it was to, to walk in God's anointing, but yet deal with humanity. And we find that David from the start of his journey found himself in isolation. And you know this story. The Bible said that there was a prophet named Samuel that showed up at David's house. And the Bible said that God told Samuel that there was a king in the house. The next king of Israel was living at this residence. Samuel arrives with a horn of oil. Jesse, David's father, greets Samuel. Samuel tells Jesse that there's a king in the house. Immediately, He begins to line up every son from the oldest down. And they all looked kingly. Matter of fact, they served the king and worked for the king. And the Bible said one by one, seven sons stood before Samuel. None of them would walk from this moment with the power. But there was an eighth son. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. David is in a field watching sheep. The prophet said, is there any other sons in the house? He said, well, we've got a boy named David that watches sheep. This is what the father said. Matter of fact, check these others first. Seven stood in line, but one would leave with the power. David comes in. The Bible said he came in from the field. They call for David. He walks in, and just imagine, he's been in the field watching sheep. Now, if you know anything about a shepherd in the Old New Testament, they they were not the one that got on the first invite to the guest list. If you were planning a party, shepherds were not at the top of the list. That's why it was so significant when shepherds showed up at the birth of Christ. He had wise men, he had angels, and he had shepherds. What he was saying was, anybody is invited to my party. Anybody's invited to my celebration. And, and, and David comes in from the field. He's a shepherd. He probably is dirty from being in the field. He probably smells like the animals. And he walks in, and immediately the Spirit of God said, that's the one. That's the next king of Israel. Why? Because God does not look on the outside. He always looks on the spirit and the destiny of your life. And the Bible said in that moment, the horn of oil that Samuel was carrying was poured over David's head. What you have to understand is this. From that moment, a word was released that he would be the next king. The problem is that he had to wait 15 years to ever sit on the throne. Can you wait when God has a word for your life? Can you wait when God has declared your destiny? Can you wait and still keep a praise in your mouth when God has given you a snapshot of where you're going? Can you wait and walk out God's purpose when you have not arrived but you've seen a glimpse of what he's doing? Fifteen years and he's in the process and finally something happens. The father calls for him, and David runs to Jesse, thinking maybe this is my moment. And he said, I need you to do something. David said, whatever it is, I'm ready. He said, take lunch to your brothers. Take lunch to my brothers? They know I'm going to be the next king. Where are my brothers serving the king that's in place right now? You want me to take lunch to my brothers while they're serving a king, knowing that I'm going to be the next king? Wow. 
Sometimes God requires things of you in your season of process that will ready you for your season of destiny. And this is what the Bible said. The Bible said David carries lunch. He gets there. And when he arrives, we see the setting of a story that we all know. The Bible said when he arrives, something is wrong. His brothers are nowhere to be found. The king is in hiding because there is a giant standing on a hillside defying the people of God. He's standing there and the Bible said for 40 days he roars and he rants. And the Bible said the people of God are captivated in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soka, which belonged to Judah. That's important. Which belonged to Judah. They encamped between Soka, Ezka, and Ephesdemon. And Saul and all the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistine. Now watch. It says they drew, drew up in battle array against the Philistine. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistine named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield-bearer went before him, and then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail, you will serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that he may fight with me and we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. This is what happens. Every day he comes out. And the Bible said they were so enamored with him, they described every detail about his armor. The way his helmet glistened in the sun. The way his armor shined. The weight of his spear. Everything about him, his deep, berry white voice. <laughs> that taunted the people of God every day. 40 days and 40 nights. Now David shows up, he's just there to deliver lunch. But when he sees what's happening, something rises in him. He said, is there not a cause is there not a reason someone would go out and fight? Is there not something that drives us? Why is fear gripped my brothers? Why is fear gripped the mighty man? Why is fear gripped the king? You see, David was different. David was a worshiper. David was one that understood the power of a declaration. David had a perspective that differed from everyone else. He saw things not as opportunity or not as obstacles, but opportunity. He saw things with a window into seeing what God would see and what God could 
would do. He also had a conviction that differed from everyone else. And he believed that this was a God moment because it was more than just a battle to David. It was a direct alignment with his destiny. David knew that one day he would sit on the throne and if they were defeated by Goliath, they would be in servitude to Goliath. So he knew that where he was today was in direct alignment to the place he was walking and where he was going. And David said, is there not a reason someone would go out to fight? The brother said, please go home. You're embarrassing us. But before you go, leave the lunch. <laughs> leave the lunch, go home. And the, and the Bible said, David said, no, I'll fight this giant. Before long, he gets ushered to the king because nobody was willing to fight. He gets before the king. Saul is very tall. David, the Bible said, is short in stature. He walks in and the king looks at him and says, why would you think you could fight this giant? Who do you think you are? King does not know yet that David is anointed to be the next king, but David does. And this is what the Bible said. David said, you know, I don't know, but I do know this. I was in the field all alone and I was just worshiping. I was singing that I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I was talking about the day that the Lord had made, and so I just decided to rejoice in it. I was talking about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and a bear came along and tried to steal my sheep, and something came over me, and strength that I had never felt empowered me, and I destroyed the bear. And another time, a lion came along, and I believe that the God that delivered me from the lion and the bear will give me strength to defeat this giant today. And and Saul said, ah, okay, you can fight the giant. He said, wear my armor. The armor wouldn't fit. Saul was tall, David short. And so many times what keeps us from defeating the giant is trying to wear other people's armor. Because we live in this world that is gripped by a spirit of comparison. And you try to live someone else's life through social media or through reality television. And it doesn't fit because it's not your assignment. The armor wouldn't fit, so he couldn't wear the armor. And the, swords, the king said, well, take my sword. Use it. It's yours. And the Bible said it had not been tested in David's hand because the sword was built for the reach of the individual. And David was not tall like Saul. It had not been tested. It was not built for David. But David decided to use what God had already used in his life. And the Bible said David did something. Now watch, David gets his first moment of public platform. It's his first moment. He's not at the house any longer. He's not in the field. He's not even standing in the living room with his brothers where Samuel is pouring oil over his head. He's now in the presence of the king. He's even walked past his brothers and all the mighty men and he's standing at a platform. But watch what David does. Before he goes to fight, he leaves the public platform and goes back to the place where he has visited God over and over. He goes back to a place of isolation down by a brook. And he said, you know, I can't be enamored with this public moment that I have. I've got to stay connected to you. And the Bible said by a brook he encountered God. And the Bible said he reached in the brook and pulled out five stones. I don't know why he took out five stones. I do know five is the number of grace. And if you read on, Goliath actually has four 
brothers. I'm not sure if he thought, I may have to fight the whole family today. And if I do, I'm going to be ready. I don't know why he took five stones, but the Bible said he picked out five stones and they put the stones in the bag. And the Bible said he walked out onto the battlefield. And the minute that he walked out, Goliath walked out. But I believe David had some inside information. Because the Bible tells us in the passage we just read that the valley and the land belong to Judah. David was from the tribe of Judah. David was from the house of Judah. The people of Judah were people of praise. They understood how to attract the presence of God. And David knew that the giant was standing in the land of praise. And it only takes one praiser to get in the land of praise to see giants begin to fall. And the Bible said David looked at him. And the Bible said the minute that the giant saw David, he took a double take. He said, is this the best you've got? You sent a boy out to fight me? I'm a man. I'm a warrior. I'm a killer. I'm a giant. Why would you send this boy? Am I a dog that you disrespect? And he roared and he roared and he roared. And then finally it was David's turn. And he looked at the giant and said, roar all you want because today will be your last day. It will be the last day you intimidate the people of God. It will be the last day you try to defeat them with your words. It will be the last day you plant yourself in the land of Judah. He said, because I'm not coming to you in the name of Saul or even my brothers or even myself. I'm coming to you in the name that is above every name, the name of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And the Bible said David did something. Hold on just one second. The Bible said David did something. He reached in the bag. What many times we forget when we're standing in the land that God has already given us, it's in the bag. When we're standing in our family that God has assigned us to, it's in the bag. When you're living out your life's assignment, it's in the bag. When you're living a life of worship and God is attracted to who you are, it's in the bag. The Bible said he reached in the bag, pulled out a rock, and he looked at the giant and said, get ready, you're about to fall. And the Bible said he took an ordinary rock, put it in an ordinary sling, and it became supernatural. Because I'll tell you what happens when God shows up, ordinary things become supernatural. Ordinary things begin to break through. And there are some of you, God's about to touch your ordinary. He's about to touch your ordinary marriage and your ordinary children and your ordinary home and your ordinary finance and your ordinary situation. And God's about to show up. God's about to declare himself. And giants are about to fall. Giants are about to topple over. Come on, jump to your feet. We'll finish this. Now watch what happens. Bible said he takes just a rock. But David, David understood something. And this is the revelation so many of us miss. David, come help me, Pastor Jason. You'll be Goliath. I'll be David. The Bible says he was ruddy and good looking. Stand, stand back a little bit. Stand back a little bit. No, no, face me. David didn't get close enough to the giant to tangle with him because the giant's reach was much larger than David's. The giant was carrying a spear that was like a weaver's beam. He would have taken David's head off. He was much larger and stronger. 
He didn't get entangled. Sometimes we have to watch what we get close enough to that entangles us. Because we're no match for it. Give Goliath a hand. Now watch. Now watch. Here's the revelation right here. David understood the power of being a projectile warrior. That I can stand here and use a sling and hit something over there. I can stand right here and launch a praise that will hit my house, will hit my children, will hit my next week, will hit my next month, will cover that thing that has been standing in my valley, that memory of a yesterday. I'm going to launch something that covers it, that tomorrow I've not yet walked in. I'm going to hit some, uh, there's some of us that God says you're tangled up with the giant and it's going to defeat you. But if you will plant yourself in the land of praise and open your mouth, the giant's about to fall. Goliath is about to topple over and the Bible said he took a rock and he let it go and the Bible said it landed in the head of Goliath and Goliath fell over but he didn't stop because sometimes we knock the giant down on Sundays but he's back up on Mondays he's back up on Tuesday he's back up by Wednesday but he ran over and this is what he does puts his foot on the giant grabs the giant sword Cuts the head of the giant off. Now watch. Sounds gruesome. Takes the head of the giant. And for days marches around with it. Matter of fact, he went to a dinner that Saul threw in his armor. Took the head with him. Say, can you put this in the coat check? I'll be back in a little bit to get it. He went to Saul and said, is this the voice? that has captivated your heart and your mind for 40 days? Is this the voice that has tried to destroy your family? Is this the voice that told you you were a failure? Is this the voice that's reminded you of your path? Is this the voice that has tried to intimidate you and make you think your best days are behind you when God says your best is yet to come? Is this the voice? Is this the voice? And the Bible says that the fame of David begin to grow in all the land. They begin to sing of David Saul has killed his thousands but David his tens of thousands something rose in the heart of the people and the Bible said they began to chase the Philistines down and defeated them that day I want you it only takes one giant killer to start a revival it only takes one giant killer to turn things around it only takes one giant killer what was David's secret weapon he learned whether it was in the field or the palace he learned whether it was in a public arena or a private place I will bless the Lord at all time his praise shall continually be in my mouth I will enter his courts with thanksgiving I will come into his presence with praise it is he who made me and not me myself the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and forever and forever it's in my yesterday it's in my today and it's already in my tomorrow blessed be the name of the Lord come on open your mouth and give him a shout give him a praise father we cover our family we cover our season we cover our next season oh there's some giant killers rising up today I sense it There's some giant killers. Somebody's about to take back your joy. 
Somebody's about to take back the place God has assigned you. There's been a valley and God says, it's your valley. And I know the giant has placed himself there. But the Bible said it already belonged to Judah. All it needed was someone from the tribe of Judah to show up and open his mouth. The key wasn't the rock. The key wasn't the sling. But the minute David stepped in and said, I'm not coming to you with a sword or a spear. I've not come wearing armor of Saul. I've not come in my own might or my own power. But I've come today in the name that is above every name. The creator of heaven and earth. I've come to you in a kingdom that has no end. It was over. It was over. Well, I I don't know about you, but sometimes I knock the giant down and he gets back up. And what happens is he gets back up on Monday when you're not here. And it's just me. Or it's just my family. Or he shows up on Thursday. I don't have all you standing on your feet clapping. And Chris playing behind me on the keys. Or a worship team ready to sing me into the presence of God. So I have to will myself. I will bless the Lord. I don't feel like it today, but I will bless the Lord. And I begin to shake off discouragement. I begin to shake off heaviness. I begin to shake off my yesterday. I begin to shake off unbelief. The Bible says I can put on a garment of praise. It's easy to throw it on on Sunday and come in here with all you folk because you're radical. But I'm telling you, when I'm all alone on a Thursday and I have to put on that garment and I have to look at the jazz, I say, no, no, you're not getting back up. You're not getting back up. You're not getting back up. There's some giant killers in this room. Matter of fact, nudge your neighbor right now and say, it's in the bag. It's in the bag. You act like you've got a bag. Reach in it and grab your rock. I know you don't really have it on. People are looking for their... Just act like you got a bag. Just reach in and grab it by faith. Because faith is grabbing things you cannot see. Believing that they are. Now lift it. Some of you are about to see the giant fall. I don't know what your giant is. I know what my giant is. I know where my giants live. I know the voices that haunt me. I don't know what yours is. I'm going to pray over you. Then we're going to open our mouth and we're going to let the rock go. Oh, I sense it. I sense an atmosphere getting ready to shift for someone. I sense a new season being declared for someone today. I see a turnaround coming to someone's midnight. Discouragement is about to break. You're about to put the John on notice. He's taken residence in your life, in your family long enough. I'm going to pray over them. We're going to open our mouth and let the rock go. And it's going to land somewhere in our next season. And don't be surprised when you get there if the giant's not toppled over. Father, I declare today that we have reached by faith and grabbed a rock of faith. And Father, we're believing today that giants are getting ready to fall. We're believing, Father, that the season of the roaring of the adversary is about to come to an end. Those voices that haunt us day and night, those things that torment our spirit, those voices that try to make us think that we're anything less than your best. Today, we put that voice on notice and the giant of our life that this is a day and a moment 
moment of victory. And Father, by faith, I grab a rock and I declare it's my time, it's my moment, and you have given me authority in this place. And right now, I step up and look at the giant and declare in the name that is above every name, the name of the Creator, the name of my Savior, the name of my Restorer, the name of my Healer, the name of the King of Glory, the mighty name of Jesus. I let the rock go. Come on, open your mouth and let it go right now. Come on, give him a shout. 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 Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayer is that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. We want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday morning worship experiences. You can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc and you can also download our City Life Church app on your smartphones and tablets for more online messages. It was great having you with us today and we'll see you next time.